This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello empaths, we hope your week is off to a great start. For this week's show, we're going to be sharing some wonderful questions and stories you all have sent in. And please remember, if you have a question or a story or a sign from spirit that you want to share with us, you can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. We have some good ones this month, don't we? We do. It's a real variety, which is fun. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I'm going to dive in with our first one. Perfect. It says, I was listening to your podcast where you shared a story of a woman seeing yellow birds as her sign. My husband passed over suddenly and traumatically just over 18 months ago. I find a lot of comfort in your podcast. I said to him, just send me any old sign today, please. I was driving into town later that morning when I stopped at a roundabout and I let a chap and a van go before it was his turn. So he turned and blew me kisses. I blew some back. My husband would always blow kisses. Love you, he would say. It was wonderful. I couldn't stop laughing with joy. Then later that evening, I was watching TV when my sister-in-law, Paul's sister, FaceTime from Palm Beach where she lives. I muted the TV and I was telling her the lovely story of the blowing kisses when I looked up and there on the TV were two yellow birds. Oh, oh I love that. It, that is incredible. And that she took that as, you know, that that was her husband, not, oh, who is this man blowing kisses at me? <laughs> well, it's so funny because if I ever let someone go in front of me, I'm lucky if I get a wave, like a little thank you, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't think anyone's ever blown me a kiss. Like that is, that is rare. Don't you think? Very much so. Of, well, in, in my world, it is. Maybe there's other people listening that say, no, no, people blow me kisses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but just the timing of the birds on the TV, they were yellow. Her, his sister was on the phone. I mean, you, you can't. You can't make that up. A couple days ago, I got, I was doing a reading and, and there was a woman who shared a sign that was so specific. It was just, it was about a specific type of flower that um, was found on a path. And there were two other items there that were really connected with this person in spirit. And the, the two things, the flowers and the two other items, I don't want to break confidentiality and share that in case I never okayed this with the, the person I was speaking with. But it was, there was absolutely no question or no doubt that that's where it was coming from. And I, I get that same feeling from this, this, uh, what this story the listener sent in. Oh, I do too. It's his personality. You can feel it. Right. Ugh, love it. So our next one says, I wondered if you'd talk about auditory awakenings at night. My sister and I both have these experiences where we wake up because we thought we heard someone talking to us or asking for help. Then I get up and walk around the house, check on the kids and determine it must have been another sleepscape experience. What can you tell me about what this means or how to work with it? I've found that happening more and not just at night, but, but the auditory stuff. And again, for a lot of people, that seems to be increasing. And I think we've we've talked about this in other episodes of how when we are in a sleep state, we're more receptive because we've lowered our 
our uh, inhibitions and we're also in you know the brainwave state of of being more receptive so what what do you think cuz you do a lot of night work and dream work yeah i think what you said is exactly right i think that our our walls are lowered our inhibitions are down and we are in what a lot of intuitive teachers will call the doorway to sigh so when you're in that hypnagogic state, you kind of have a foot in both worlds. And I do think if you're naturally intuitive or you're just very inclined to do this work, there are some lost souls that are needing our help. And anyone who is a natural intuitive or a natural medium tends to have a brighter light. Now, I don't mean that as in they are better people. I do no. not mean that because people can know. But I mean that they just have this beacon right? That attracts these, these lost souls. And I think a lot of times these lost souls think it's the light they know they're supposed to look for. So they'll, they'll come to us in those moments when we are in that threshold between the worlds. And so possibly this listener and her sister are night workers. And when they're sleeping, they're helping to cross over uh, stuck spirits. And that makes perfect sense because years ago I was taking a class with someone and they said, the people in spirit know the medium to come to. So what we, and you've heard me say this so many times of, I believe that we all have a unique blueprint. And when we resonate, when we find how it works for us to connect with spirit, we're able to make a connection that isn't trying to replicate someone else. We're not trying to emulate someone else's way of connecting. And I think that makes sense when you can connect with some people so easily, it seems that maybe some of those people trapped in, in spirit and needing help and needing light would say, oh, these two ladies can under can feel, they can see, they can hear me. And they would be drawn to them in that way as well. Yes. Like attracts like, right? Yeah. Very cool. They get up, walk around, check the kids. And because that's our physical human response is, did I really hear that? Well, yeah. And it's scary to be woken up like that hearing voices too, because your first thought isn't, oh, I might be a night worker and there might be a ghost who needs to be crossed over. No, your first thought is I'm about to be profiled on Dateline because someone's in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can't always put boundaries and parameters on that stuff. But remember, you are always in control of your energy always. If any of this is too much for you, if you don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night, if you don't want to have night worker dreams, if you don't want to deal with any of that at all, you have every right to say so. Just say to whoever you call your higher power, the universe, your guides, your angels, enough, let me sleep tonight, or I don't want to do this work, or this scares me. I'm happy to serve the light, but give me a different job. That's Wonderful advice. We're, we're in control of it. It's not in control of us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Our next one says, hi, Samantha. I listened to both your podcast and similar to you, my intuition is an emotionless knowing in my mind, not an actual voice that comes as a matter of fact message in my head. But I'm confused. Isn't that claircognizance? What's the difference between intuition and claircognizance? Okay, that's a really good question, Denise, and I had to like think about that for a minute. So I'm excited to hear your input, but but let me back up. I often tell people that one of the ways you can tell the difference between your intuition and your th your own thoughts or your imagination or your ego is that your intuition is emotionless. It's not going to be flashing a neon sign of, "Ooh, heads up, something bad is coming," or um you know, an exclamation mark of you're going to have a great day today. Your intuition is just very kind of bland and matter of fact. It's like something that you know before you know that you know it. I I, I don't know if that makes, does that make sense? Denise? Yes. Yes, it does. Yes. Okay. A, and I think too, that there's the spontaneity of an intuitive hit and as well as the claircognizance that, but do you find that you get a, uh, for me, I'll get a physical reaction with intuition. I'll, I'll get a gut feeling or a twinge or a there's a there's a feeling that comes with it. Whereas the claircognizance is just you know it and you don't know why you know it. For me, intuition is closer to clairsentience than claircognizance. 
Yes. Yes. That's exactly, exactly how I feel too. So with intuition, you'll, sometimes you'll get a tingling, you'll get the gut feeling like Denise said, sometimes I'll just get like a little happy feeling, you know, like when, um, when you think about something happy coming up soon, you get like bubbles, like, Ooh, sometimes my intuition comes in like that. And the, the emotionless knowledge can come in a variety of ways. It can come in the form of a picture, a symbol, an idea, words. Whereas claircognizance, it's like, it's like, I don't know, the information fairies flying over my head and drops the information into my head. I don't mean that literally. There's (laughs) not an information fairy, but it's like the knowledge I need is just plopped in there. I don't know where it came from. It's just there. Right. And a lot of times it's something, whereas intuition is, and when we get messages from spirit or we get that nudge, it, it is exactly what you just said, based on our experience, expertise, our memories, the experiences we've had. Whereas the claircognizance, you may come out with something or know about something that you don't have a base of knowledge for. You didn't train in that, or you you suddenly know that, oh, uh, you know, there's an electrical short circuit and you have no no background in that, but intuitively you're like, nope, something's off with the electricity in that. And that's a weird example, but uh, I don't have a background in electrical engineering or in working with electricity. So if I get something that has to do with that, I'm going to take it as claircognizance. Yes. Yeah. And with claircognizance, sometimes it just spills out of me. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend a couple of weeks ago and I said to her, I think your husband's company is going to go through some layoffs, but he'll be fine. Now, mm-hmm. that's a drive-by reading, Denise, which <laughs> we preach very strongly against doing. And I don't even know where that came from. I don't know why I said it. We weren't talking about her husband or his work. It just plopped right on out of my mouth. I think that's an example of claircognizance. Yes. Or just bad intuitive ethics. I don't know. No, no, no. I think that is clear cognizance. And it was, and I'm, it was your friend receptive and you, you didn't walk into a grocery store and, and do that to someone. This was no. a friend and, <laughs> you know, just going by pulling up at a stop sign. Hey, your husband's business is going to tank. Um, so <laughs> no. no, she was very, very receptive. She knows what I do and is open to it. Um, and luckily the message was fine. Like there are a few layoffs, but he was going to be okay. And you know, maybe that's a blend of both. That example, I don't know. Yes, well, and that's something I think you and I both try to emphasize when we teach. It's important to understand what the different clairs are, but then when you're actually doing the the work, you've got to throw that all away and recognize that they're going to blend. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it because um, I don't do sports. But let's say I can use a knitting example. Like when you learn to knit, it's so slow, right? You put the needle under this loop, you put the thread, the yarn around this one to do a purl. And then when you you switch over to do the knit stitch and it's so slow. But then when you really learn how to do it, you're not thinking about any of that. You're not thinking about flipping the yarn here and putting the loop and the needle there. You're just doing it. And to me, that's how it is with intuition. You have to learn the basics, but once you do, it all blends together and you just are knitting away. It becomes muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. In any muscle, whether it's sports or knitting or a craft or playing an instrument, you put the time in and the training in and you make a commitment to it and it gets stronger. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, That's what was a good example. (laughs) Thank you. Our next one says, I've discovered that I have abilities in a lot of different modalities. I have all the clairs and have had success in healing, psychometry, and mediumship. I can look at a photo and get information about the spirits or history, and have had information downloads from missing persons or manhunts on the news, regardless of the country it's occurring in. I've been told in different readings over the years that I should be working with police on missing person cases. I currently work as a paranormal investigator in private homes. My question is, how do I know which modality to focus on developing first? I know that my clairvoyance is very strong, but I'm heading towards an age where I feel that I want to use my abilities in a more permanent and helpful way. 
I'm not interested in doing readings, and I do feel that working with law enforcement is something I'm meant to do, but I'm not sure where to start. I love everything that I do, but just need to get back to basics and start somewhere. How do I know what that is? Well, it sounds like this person has an incredibly strong foundation, and you and I have have spoken about this you know, as friends and also on the show, that we've taken all these different classes and learn learned different techniques and modalities, and that it you you always will continue to use those no matter where your path leads. The other thing that I love is that we we you continue to grow and evolve, and everything is going to work together. the The advantage this person has is they know what they want to do. They know what their skill set is, and they know, why they want to do it and they know what they don't want to do. So light years ahead of a lot of people with, with that base right there. Uh, I think the fact of, if you're already clairvoyant, you know, you don't want to do the one-on-one readings and you want to work with law enforcement is to possibly make a connection with someone who is involved in those cases. You could connect with maybe a PI or a um, missing persons bureau in your area. You could uh, find a support group for people that have missing. I've noticed lately a lot on social media that there is a whole network of people that share, oh, this person is missing. Can anyone get any insight? Is there any hits? Is there any? So there's a lot of different ways, but my gut feeling is to to make a decision on what you really want this to look like. How can I be of service and spirit will help light your way? Yeah, I agree. It depends on on where your talents lie, what your interests are, how good you are at it, and building that reputation up, which can take some time. I don't think law enforcement is very receptive to working with intuitives, and I completely understand that. None of it's admissible in court. Um, so I think working with PIs is a good start, or like you said, or working with a paranormal team or a missing people's group. Uh, personally, I feel that that work should be volunteer based. Uh, so you know, it's not going to be your your a source of income for you. And I think that's something to consider. And I also think that whatever you're meant to do with your gifts and abilities, no matter what they are, you know, whether it's teaching, writing, throwing a football, or helping find a missing person. If you're meant to do it, the universe will conspire to get you there. And so I think part of the the job that we have on this earth is just doing our work to be prepared. You know, like that old saying goes, if you want your ship to come in, build the dock. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to work on just building your dock, your your foundation of knowledge by by taking all of those classes, reading the books, definitely read the memoirs of of those who stood before us, because that really does help give ideas and validation and clarification on a lot of things. And you know, don't don't push the log up the river. Like if if it's meant to be, it'll it'll come to you. It really do. It really will, as long as you put the work in first. And I think this person also made a really good point about currently working as a paranormal investigator in private homes. So that's a great foundation and a great way to build a client base to meet people and maybe ask, you know, ask spirit, lead me to the people that will help me find this next step because it it is amazing how much they want to help us. Truly. They really want to help us. But if you, everything around this is this person has that, ability and desire to work with the, I don't like to say the darker energies, but these aren't happy-go-lucky. I've got a lady, she's five foot two. This is heavier energy that she's dealing, this person is dealing with. Yeah, it definitely is. When you start working with missing people and uh, paranormal investigations in homes, that's all very heavy stuff. So you definitely do want to work on psychic protection techniques too. We should add that in there. Yes. Yes, very much so. And this is not a shameless plug, but it kind of is, is the uh, Common Mystics podcast. That's what they do is they investigate places that with with a paranormal team and they go and they, then they research it later on. So maybe as a side hustle, that could be something this person does as far as 
do the research, practice and and see because they said that they were doing it with uh, announcements on sh- on TV or media, but maybe take it to the next level and hone the practical skills of um, where to look for the information, make contacts with people who would have uh, records or it, it it's an endless road on on what this person is interested in. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yes. Okay, our next one says, so I very rarely order anything from this one crystal store because it's kind of pricey, but the quality is top notch. So recently I bought a lithium quartz wand with hematite and epidote inclusions. It's amazing and was a decent price. It arrived today and I instantly felt the energy, which doesn't happen with every crystal for me. So while I'm looking it over, it dawned on me. I have this other amazing quartz I inherited from an old boyfriend 20 years ago. It was my very first crystal, and in the past four years, I've tried to figure out exactly what kind of quartz it was. My best guess was lithium quartz, but it's so rare to find, and this piece was found out in the wild by my ex's father in North Carolina. Not a common find, even by a pro miner, but these two crystals look identical. The real headline here is, I get my old one out, and I'm comparing the two. When I start looking at the older one, the seven-sided face, and notice it has developed a record keeper. I have looked at this stone probably 10,000 times over the years and never saw any record keepers. She's a phantom celestial. There's no way I did not see this record keeper, so I think it just popped up. I've heard of this happening, but never experienced it pretty wild. Okay, I love this story because I love how magical crystals are. And I just think it's so cool that she's had this crystal for 20 years. She didn't know what it was. She thought, I don't know, maybe it's lithium quartz. And then she's drawn to find this other quartz online, buys it, and realizes it's the same thing. They are both lithium quartz. And this 20-year-old stone that she's had forever suddenly has a record keeper. Now, some of you non-crystal lovers out there, or driving to work, rolling your eyes, going, what the actual hell is this lady talking about? So let me explain. Some quartz will develop these little tiny raised triangles on them. And I know it sounds nuts, but just hear me out. They are called record keepers. And the belief is that information that the crystal has stored in its memory bank of energetic, tiny little atom molecules rises to the surface in the form of these little tiny triangles. And if you rub your thumb over those triangles while meditating, the information that the crystal is trying to share or impart with you will be downloaded into your subconscious. Now, I remember reading this in Judy Hall's Crystal Bible years ago, and I remember thinking, all right, Samantha, either she needs a straitjacket or you do because what the hell, this is just kind of weird. And I had this beautiful clear quartz. It's a library quartz that I use for my working stone. It's the one I meditate with and do readings with. And as soon as I read this whole section on record keepers, I look at this clear quartz and I see two little raised triangles. I get my magnifying glass out. I'm like, I'm going crazy here. I call my former husband over. I'm like, what do you see on this on this side of the quartz? He's like, right there under the light. He's like, those little, little triangles. I'm like, how many do you see? He said two. I'm like, all right. So a couple of days later, I get the stone out again and I get my magnifying glass out. There's five triangles. I call him over, put the magnifying glass over. How many triangles do you see now? He goes, five. He goes, what the hell? Weren't there two there the other day? I said, yeah. Denise, it's nuts. It happens all the time. Those record keepers will appear and disappear. Now, the thinking behind it is that when the information that you were supposed to receive has been received, that little triangle record keeper will go away, reabsorbed, And if new information comes that you need to be told, a new triangle will appear. Wow. What do you think? I know you're super practical when it comes to crystals, so I want your honest thoughts. No, no. I I really think that they're a living thing, that they have a vibration, they have a frequency, they have, and that there's so much more to, why wouldn't that be as real as an animal coming to you or connecting with the elements or it's it's a part of nature so i i truly truly think that we don't we can never fully understand how much is available and my question though kind of practical so if you didn't 
recognize it or you didn't sit there and you know try to get you you didn't notice it would you still get the information from it in a way if you weren't concentrating on it is it showing up would you have to physically work with the stone to get the benefit of the record keeper no no okay. and that is a really good question um, Judy Hall, and I think Melody too, recommends just gently rubbing your thumb over it while going into your meditation. But I don't, I don't think that would be necessary. Um, what I have noticed working with crystals is that whatever it is they're trying to teach me, first of all, I can be very slow and and impatient at all at the same time. And secondly, they work very slowly, right? So I'll get a crystal for a specific purpose. Like I remember I got this big blue lace agate so I could overcome my fear of public speaking. It wasn't like two weeks later, I, I was like walking on the Johnny Carson show, you know, like, hello. <laughs> it was like several months later, I had to stand up and do this talk. And I realized I wasn't as nervous as I normally am. But it wasn't, it's any work you do with crystals, it's not a profound, like, whoa, I really feel that change. And I know it's from that crystal. It's very subtle. It's very slow, but it's, it's long lasting, if that makes sense. Okay. So here's another kind of weird question, but I'm curious. I was speaking with someone recently who said that they have a friend and a colleague who has started wearing a lot of different crystals like a, an abundance of crystals on their physical body in the in the form of jewelry and wearable um, crystal energy can can that be too much can it can you can it counteract or can it short and this is, sounds like a complete wing nut if you too much is too much worse than not enough I think so I think too much of anything is worse right me too me too. Yes. If you had been working with the blue agate and and that did that, if you had brought something else, could you bring in another stone that you were working with that might counteract that energy or not, or, or dim the, the, um, the, what's the word we want? Um, the purpose of that yeah, stone. Yeah. Yes, I suppose so. Like if you take, for example, blue lace agate, which is very calming and peaceful and helps you speak your truth, but in a very measured, like matter of fact, intelligent way, and you couple that with garnet, which is super passionate and like kind of, um, oh, who's that guy who sings Let's Get It On? What's his name? <laughs> Starts with an um, M. Yes, I, I'm having a fade. Yes. Oh, anyway, it, it, Garnet has a very sexy, passionate, like, let's get back into the groove and let's, you know, let's get alive and creative for our work and our relationships and sex and all of that. You put that with Blue Lace Agate, I don't know what kind of presentation you're giving. Do you know what I mean? I do think some of them don't necessarily work well together. This is interesting because I'm what I'm thinking about Marvin is, Gaye. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was going to bug me. No, I, I love Marvin Gaye. Oh my goodness, um, the timbre in that person's voice is just anyway. Um, what I was thinking though is sometimes we certain crystals will have a certain vibration, and if I take. A, a really strong crystal and I hold it up to my third eye or put it on my crown chakra, it causes a, an instant like um, a vibrational reaction in my whole body. It's like, bzzz, like, a, like getting jolted a little bit. So if you use too much of that, it seems like it would almost be like drinking too much caffeine, that it would have the counter effect of getting you in the zone. It would like wipe you out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. It's like one glass of wine is nice. Three glasses of wine, maybe not so much. Yeah. That's a good okay. point. Or I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like a little bit of crystals goes a long way. Yeah. And it probably depends on what your personal frequency is, what you're working on and what you are trying to use the crystal for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that for this listener, sense. I find it interesting that she had this lithium quartz for 20 years, didn't really know what it was, but still liked it, that it was found in North Carolina, which is fascinating. You can find garnet naturally in North Carolina. You can find jet in North Carolina. There's a couple of others, but um, I don't think lithium quartz, I don't think it, maybe. Anyway, 
the fact that it's been with her all these years, and then she's suddenly drawn to buy this other lithium quartz wand, which makes her pull out this stone she's had for 20 years and look at it and see the record keeper. It's almost as though, I don't know, someone's trying to tell her it's time, it's time to work on like lithium quartz is all about really getting calm within your soul. Because mm-hmm. think about lithium, what it does yep. for anxiety, it really calms anxiety and worry. So it's about getting very, very calm in your soul. But quartz is all about energy and energizing and, and a wand is about action. And so I feel like it's telling her like, you've got to get really grounded so that you can then kind of explode on the scene of what you're supposed to be working on next. Oh, that's very nice. It's just fascinating, isn't it? It is. I love crystals. (laughs) And they love you. (laughs) Uh, uh, Our next one is this person is, is saying, I know it can be scary or weird. So I thought I should share some of my woo. So it helps others not to shy away from this wonderful world. Wouldn't that make a great documentary? The wonderful world of woo. Uh, Anyway, recently I met one of my teacher's mentors to do some in-person channeling. It was the first time we met in person and I knew the trip was going to be special. And boy, was it. The plan was to go to a spa retreat, do individual massages, then do a sound bath together and just see what came up. While the channeling and visions were amazing, what I want to share are some validations of things that you teach. On the train ride to my location, all of a sudden, my grandfather came through. I had not connected with him in years, and it was so nice to feel his support. So I said, hey, granddad, if this is you, give me a sign. Caveat, he was a trickster, born on Halloween, and I had to make sure the trick or joke would not actually be harmful. So I said, you can do one of two things, the animal sign or pull a nice prank. Of course, he would do both. We never spoke about his animal, but he showed me it at his funeral. The church had open doors and wooden beams overhead. Right before the funeral, I noticed a small red bird fly in and sit on a rafter right above his urn. I knew it was him, and I watched as this bird sat there for the whole service, at least an hour, without moving. So I said, show me a red bird as my sign. I started to have my doubts as the area I was in didn't have any red birds. As we pulled out of one of the stops, I turned and there was a warehouse and a red rooster painted on the side of the building. I couldn't stop laughing. Lastly, in my massage, and all of a sudden, I hear someone at the door. Then I hear pushing and the door swings open. The masseuse kind of jumps and I asked, did the door just open by itself? Yes. The massage ends and the masseuse leaves when the door swings open again. On the other side of the door is the masseuse in shock. Well, it sounds like the grandfather has a great sense of humor. It does. And boy, did he do both. He got the red bird sign in and a and a fun little prank. Yes. And being open and allowing and asking and I I love this because it's it's conversation with people. It's not we've both when we've been talking to someone and we're bringing through someone in spirit and the person that we're the sitter or the person that we're working with will say, well, tell them this. And I always say, well, they can hear you. They always hear what you're, they hear you in. It doesn't have to be verbal. It can be telepathic. And I think the more we can build our own relationship with our people in spirit, then when we do speak with a medium or an intuitive, we get the validation and, And it also is, we can all do this. We can, we can all do this. You know what I keep thinking of when I was first opening up, remember how I told you and longtime listeners know that I would just randomly read people, which is so unethical as we just mentioned before. And at the time I had just given birth to Chloe and she had really sat on my sciatica nerve. So I was going to get a massage like every month with this little old man at the spa in town. And the first time I said to him, there's a woman around you in spirit. Are you open to that? And he said, excuse me, what do you mean? And I just pushed on through and I told him exactly what she looked like and what how she was appearing. And, and he said, that's my grandmother. And I said, she wants you to know A, B, and C. And he said, okay, thank you. And then he'd handed me a glass of water and I walked out and was like, what the hell just happened? So I go back to him the next month and sure enough, the grandmother's there again. And I said, 
I said to him, your grandmother's here again. And she's saying, blah, 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 blah about your wife. And he said, oh, that's good. She's been worried about that. But Denise, he never had any emotion or expression or reaction. It was so matter of fact. <laughs> to this day, like he acknowledged what I said, but he was never like, wow, how, how long have you been doing this? Or who else is there? Or can I, you know, it was just like, mm -hmm, thank you. I will tell, and then would hand me the glass of water. And when huh. I come back, he'd say like, oh, my wife said blah, blah, blah. And to thank you. But he, he never asked a question or freaked out. I, I don't know. I always think about him. I wonder if he was aware that she was there as well. I know. Because he was so like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next one says, I've really enjoyed listening to all the letters you have read about receiving signs from spirit. Just like a lot of your listeners, I sometimes have a hard time accepting that a sign you are given is real. My son is in the Navy pilot training program, and he was finishing up his primary training with his selection time quickly approaching. He really wanted to be selected to fly jets and had been studying hard and doing a great job on his flights. But you never know what the needs of the Navy are going to be. So he, my husband, and myself were very nervous about selection day. Since he had started pilot training, I had constantly been asking my spirit guide to please help him in any way he could so that our son could achieve his dream. I asked Spirit that if Tristan, our son, was going to get jets, to please show me an owl within two weeks. Oh, I like that. She gave a nice little timeline. Mm -hmm. I picked an owl because I thought this was something that would be rare to see since we live in the center of Phoenix, Arizona. Two weeks had gone by and I had not seen an owl and I was desperately looking for one. During the third week, I was out on a walk and happened to look up, and on the roof of one of the houses, there was a fake owl that I'd never seen before. I thought, huh, could this be my sign? But in the end, I thought, no, I don't think so. A week later, the selection day was announced, and my husband and I flew out to San Antonio to drive to Corpus Christi, where our son is stationed. While we were driving, the song Danger Zone from Top Gun came on the radio. I burst into tears, and my husband asked if he thought that was the sign we'd been waiting for. I thought to myself, this is too good to be true, and just could not 100% trust it. We finally arrived at our son's place and went to dinner to try and distract us from the next day was going to bring. That night, I could not sleep and finally thought, I will do a Reiki session on myself, and maybe I will get some input from my spirit guide during the session. Just as I was finishing up, I was at my crown chakra, and I had, I guess you would call it a vision of an aircraft carrier and then a pilot in his helmet. The pilot turned and looked at me and smiled. I finally fell asleep praying that this was my sign. The next morning, we went to the base for the selection. The ceremony started, and the first two names were called. They both got jets. I had tears in my eyes looking at my son, trying to read his feelings. I could see how happy he was for his classmates, but I could also see the look of worry that he had, wondering what he was going to get. The next name called was his. And when the commander said his name and Jets in the same sentence, I jumped up and down and looked over at Tristan to see tears of joy in his eyes. The following day, we drove over to Kingsville, which will be the new training station for our son. On the drive, I told my son and husband about the visions I'd received. The next thing that happened just made me laugh so hard. The song Danger Zone came on the radio again. And right after that, Dancing Queen was played. Now, this is my all-time favorite song. I believe it was Spirit telling me that the signs were there all along. I just needed to trust in them. Thank you for all the wonderful work you and Denise put into these podcasts. I've been an avid listener since you started Enlightened Empaths, and I've listened to Psychic Teachers since you and Deb started. You would think by now I would not second-guess signs, but I think when you want something so badly— you just naturally second-guess your signs and gut feelings. Oh, isn't that the truth? Denise, I had so many chills when I first read that story, and I'm having them all again as I read it on air. I, I love the way she writes, first of all. I love the anticipation she builds. But can't you, as a, as a mom, as a parent, when you want something so badly for one of your children, I totally relate to overlooking the signs and thinking, oh, I'm just wishful thinking. I'm hoping too much. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet she's right. They were all there. Right. Right. And congratulations to uh, that is a very no. intensive process and very selective. So the fact that that happened for her son is, is phenomenal. 
So congratulations to to him and also to the family. But you're right, the double guessing. And I think when we want it so badly, especially for someone we love, who we know has put their heart and soul into something, we don't want to get our hopes up. We don't want to give false hope. No. And yet she had all the signs. I mean, the the fake owl sitting on her neighbor's roof that she never noticed until way after she asked for a sign. I mean, you just, you know, it's amazing. Danger Zone. Okay. I love that song too, because I love the movie Top Gun and the sequel. I thought the sequel was just as good, if not better, which never happens. But that song really is rarely on the radio. And I, I listen to the radio a lot. Mm-hmm. So like, what are the odds? And isn't it wonderful that she that she integrated so many, she asked for the sign and then she got the song and then she did the self-reiki and got the picture of the fighter pilot waving at her. I mean, all of those, it's like spirit was saying, okay, you're not quite sure. How about if we throw this into the mix? Okay, still not sure. How about we, we throw this in? But that she got to the place of giving herself Reiki. I think that that was lovely. I do too. I really do too. And thank you, Tristan, for your service. Yes. Yes, it's very much so. I agree. Incredibly nice writing, beautiful writing, uh, smooth, nice mm-hmm. storyline. Our next one is a dream story. And this person said, I have a very difficult relationship with my husband and we've been divorced for 15 years before he died. We had no communication and it was a contentious divorce. Before he died in September, 2019, I went for my first energy clearing and it was incredible. During the clearing, I saw a vision of my ex-husband encased in a bright white bubble and floating away from me with a loving smile on his face, something I would never think I would ever see from him. A few weeks later, I was hiking along my favorite trail when I was stopped suddenly in my tracks by an energy field that made me freeze and caused sobbing deep within my soul. It lasted about 30 seconds, and when it was over, I felt the energy release me and slide off my arms, and I reached into the sky and grabbed, saying, please, no, don't go. I couldn't explain why that happened at that time. Three days later, I got a call from my daughter that my ex-husband was found dead in his home in Michigan. He had died three days before. Two weeks later, I went to visit my middle son in Indianapolis, a plan to visit from months before, and my son was very protective of his father, worried that I might say something negative now that his dad had no option to defend himself. I was never like that during the divorce, but regardless, that was my son's fear, and he let me know it, lashing out angrily at me. That night, as I lay in bed in my son's home, I fell asleep very sad and devastated for the loss of my children's father and for their complete devastation as well. I had my visitation then. He came to me, leaning up against the Coast Guard boat railing as he was in the Coast Guard for his career. He was dressed in his favorite college shirt and jeans and smiling at me, appearing about 20 years younger. We smiled lovingly at each other, and with no lips moving, we both said, I'm so sorry for everything. I forgive you. I woke up right then and knew it was him and not a dream. I anxiously went back to sleep to try and see him again, but he didn't come back. He was with me. He has been with me since, helping me with signs and answers for my children. It solidified a deep knowledge that our earth personality and existence, the one we create in this physical world, are definitely part of the greater life plan to learn lessons. I understand now that he is not truly that way in spirit and that we'll always be connected and love each other eternally. What a lovely story and what a lovely example of uh, releasing the negativity, the grief, the fear, the anger in order to see someone's true light and that they were still on, maybe, even though they had no contact, there was still that energetic connection between the two of them that carried on after this person passed. Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing and she felt it as she's on that walk. She didn't know it was him, but she she felt it. Right. It just makes you think about that whole concept of soul families and how, you know, once you are connected to someone whether it's through marriage or parenting children together or living together or just loving each other, that connection doesn't die. 
and that there, it almost makes me, you know, we did, Deb and I did a show on uh, psychic teachers on this really weird concept called binary soul doctrine. And it's just this belief that there's two aspects inside of us, right? Kind of like the the ego and, and the subconscious, right? Or the conscious and the ego, I mean, and that we're always trying to reconcile the two on this earth. And it's almost like the two of them together couldn't get along, but their souls loved each other. Oh. And I, I don't know why that that makes me happy and sad all at the same time. Yes. And that the telepathy of they both said to each other, I'm so sorry for everything. I forgive you. That Because from that's what the, it's all about. It is. And it's also, you know, sometimes those people that are the most difficult we learn the most from and we do such big work with on a soul level yeah really big work wow okay our next one says i was feeling very overwhelmed with life money and tasks i needed to get done and decided to go for a drive and pick up some food i like to talk to my spirit team in the car so i decided to reach out and ask for help to relieve some of the anxiety i was feeling i talked for a minute or so and then paused when all of a sudden on the radio, I hear, hello. It happened to be the start of Adele's song, Hello. But I heard it very clearly as my guides and angels acknowledging that they were hearing me speak to them. It made me smile and confirm they were listening. So I talked a little more, asking for signs throughout the week to let me know they are around. I let some tears flow and paused again. I wasn't really listening to the radio as the volume was low and my focus was on driving and talking to my guides. But then I heard the line in Adele's song, Hello from the Other Side. Again, it made me smile and felt very much like my guides and angels literally telling me that they hear me. I love signs like this because it could easily be looked at as a coincidence, but I can feel the energy from the lyrics when I hear it, which just confirms that it is a sign from spirit. I love that because, yeah, I mean, most people, I think, Denise, would be like, oh, yeah, Adele's song is on Hello, that's a good song. But when you're open and aware and receptive and you're in that moment of actually trying to communicate with your, your team of invisible helpers, you recognize that there's something more happening. But I like when she said, I can feel the energy from the lyrics when I heard it. Like yeah. you feel it. And, and I think you've said that many times before too, that when a sign is coming just for you, you feel it. There's a, I don't know, there's an inner knowing. Yes. Yes, there is. And music and lyrics are incredible because the earworms or I I just think it is a beautiful, beautiful way for a connection with spirit and for my loved ones in spirit and our guides and our team and our invisible helpers. So I think that's a great reminder to all of us that anytime we're doing something kind of kind of monotonous and rote where we can kind of daydream. So whether it's driving in your car or exercising on the elliptical or walking through your neighborhood or even just in the shower it's those are great times to try to tune in and connect because our our monkey mind is calmed down by the rote monotonous of the activity we're doing and it's much more easy for our guides and loved ones to connect with us that way i just want to add one more quick little thing is it's interesting when you hear songs from decades ago or from when you were a kid and then you hear it through the the woo filter versus just hearing it as something you sang along to when you were a teenager or a young adult and you're like oh my god they were so in the zone they were connected to the juju okay or alternatively totally not woo woo what about when you hear songs now and you're like holy cow i was listening to that in middle school mm. Like Darling Nikki by Prince came on and I used to love that song. I remember it being on my yellow Sony Walkman and I was listening to the words the other day and I was like, damn, Sam, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I can still remember I was a, I was a little cheerleader in the eighth grade and we had to come up with our big final dance for the, the, the tournament. And I asked sister Carol if we could do the dance to like a virgin by madonna oh and i still i mean i cannot tell you the entire year probably until my sophomore year in high school i could not understand her outrage <laughs> that's how innocent i was i was like but it's madonna 
<laughs> anyway, sorry, off topic. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's it's perfect. And we have one more. Well, we have two more. Uh, my father died a couple of weeks ago. He was a difficult man, a narcissist who loved me an awful lot, but caused me no end of pain. So there's some relief for me in his death. But I've become worried he'll try to contact me. I'm wondering whether you've ever had someone in spirit come through who the sitter isn't ready to hear from. Yes. Yes. And any ethical medium will honor that. So if you ever, ever go to someone and they're bringing through someone that you don't want to speak with and you say, I'm not comfortable with this, or please, I don't want to talk to that person. And if you're working with someone who continues, walk away. It, you, you, that's not ethical. And I'm, I have really strong convictions about that because it causes, um, we don't have a right to do that to someone else. Just similar, if you walked into a coffee shop and saw someone that you didn't want to speak to, you wouldn't immediately stand there and converse with them. You'd turn and walk away. Yes, you don't have to. And you, um, time changes a lot of things for many people. And it may not. And that's okay. Uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot, Samantha, about no one has a right to gauge someone else's level of grief relationship or experience with their loved ones in spirit. We don't, we don't get a vote. It's too no, individual. And, and nobody has the right to say, well, if you're spiritual, if you're religious, if you're this, if you're that, you should forgive them. Right. That is such a trigger button for me because some people, no, mm -mm. that might not be part of their healing at this point. And that's absolutely fine. Yes, I have had people come through who the client did not want to hear from, and I just kindly asked them to step aside. And that's what you need to do. Something that took me a really long time to learn, Denise, I don't know why, when I started out on this path and I was reading all the spirituality books and I was reading all the memoirs of famous mediums and reading you know, Swedenborg and William Blake and all that stuff, I just had this assumption that if you did this work, if you were doing readings, it meant you were a good, kind, loving person. Didn't you think that in the beginning? I still do. I think if you're doing it for a place of service and from love and respect, I, it, it's hard yes. to be a self-centered person and do that. Or, but what or I mean is yeah. I had this like belief that if you were unethical, or nefarious yeah. that you wouldn't get accurate readings. Yeah, and that's not and the case. That's not the case and that no. that really surprised me. So just no. know what Denise said is right. If you go to someone and they're pushing something at you or they're telling you to buy this candle to relieve this curse or they're telling you that well, you might not want to hear from your dad but he sure does want to talk to you, you know, no, just walk away. And if you're the medium who's listening to this and you're saying, well, people, how do I handle that is you, you can say, and what's flashing in my mind is uh, years ago, I, I spoke with someone and a parent came through that this person didn't want to speak with. And I it described, and they said, the person I was reading for said, what the hell are they doing here? And I said, we'll just leave it that they showed up. If that's ever anything that you want to open, they're open to meeting with you. And then I just change the topic. Don't keep bringing it up. Please don't do that to someone. I I mean that from my heart because it's when they leave the reading, when they leave the time with you, you've still brought that memory through for them. You've still brought that energy through for them. And you've still honored both sides. You've honored the yes. client. And the loved one trying to come through. See, yes. everyone, this is why Denise is such a good teacher. Oh, thank that's you, sweetie. A, but true, that's that's such a good point. That is such a good point. Because we always wonder who our obligation lies to. Are we obligated to the spirit trying to come through? Are we obligated to the client in front of us? And the way you describe that is perfect. Thank you. And it, you're, you're spot on. It, we're honoring spirit, but we're also honoring the person who's here. It, mm -hmm. it has to be a two-way street. So do you want to share our last one? Yes. It says, I have a question regarding numerology when it comes to an address. My husband and I are looking into putting an offer on a home, and the address is 527 6th Avenue. 
do I count just the 527 or do I include the 6th Avenue part? I want to be aware of the numerology and the feng shui of the home because it's our first home and I plan on giving birth there either by my woodwife and, and doula. I'm six months pregnant at the moment. What are your insights in adding the numbers of this type of address? Okay, so I just want to say that in numerology, what you do, like let's say if you're if you're taking your birth date and you're born, uh, let's just, so for my math tired brain, let's just say you're born January 2nd, 2000. The two, the day you are born is called your soul number. If you add up the month and the day, so January 2nd would be one plus two, that gives you three. That's your personality number, meaning that's your expression number. It's the energy you exude to the world. It's the energy you give out. It's the energy you attract. And then if you add all the numbers in your birthday, one plus two plus 2,000, and reduce to a single digit, which would be five, then that's the number, um, that's called your life path number. It's your destiny. It's what you're here to do and learn and share. Similarly, with home addresses, you can add up the just the numbers of the of the address, 527. But if you want like the destiny of that house, then you can add 5 plus 2 plus 7 plus 6. And then you'd have to get the numerological equivalent of the avenue as well. Does that make sense, Denise? Like uh -huh. every number has, every letter has a number equivalent. Okay. And that would give you kind of like the life path number of that address, but it's not really necessary unless you're going to live in that house for the rest of your life. So if you just want to know what energy is this home giving off to me, to our family, to the world around us, what energy is this home attracting? You just would add five plus two plus seven, which adds up to five. Now, five is a very tricky number. Okay. I have a daughter who's a triple five and she is just the one of the lights of my life and, and, and perfect and wonderful, but she's also full of energy. Let me tell you, this girl never stops. And that's a triple five. That's a five. A five is someone who is just go, 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 go. Got to go, got to go, got to go right now. They have FOMO. They want to just be everywhere. They want to know everyone. They're extroverted. Uh, they're curious. They're seekers. They're definitely mystics of the numbers uh, groups. All numbers are grouped into three sections. So the one five sevens are the intellectuals. So five is the curious intellectual. They want to know why. So if you have a home that adds up to a five, yes, that might be a little bit of a chaotic, overactive energy that the home is exuding, but it's going to be fun. I mean, there's going to be people popping in. There's going to be things you didn't expect. There's going to be a lot of energy and excitement. Now, if you want to change that, right? And you're thinking, okay, I really love this house. I want to give birth in this house, but I don't want my child to be like crying every hour on the hour or have any type of, you know, issues sleeping through the night. I certainly don't want neighbors popping in and out when I'm trying to get my baby on a sleep schedule. Simply go down to Home Depot, Ace Hardware, Lowe's, wherever, and get those address stickers. And for you, I would recommend that you get a one and add that to the inside um, frame of your front door. And then that is going to make your home's energy exude the number six, which is the, the number of the nurturing parent, the happy family. It's a very peaceful, calming energy. So that's what I would recommend for you. That's wonderful. That was, a, that was a, so much good information. Thank you. Sure. It's so fun to look at numbers of houses. It is. Years ago, I went to this group thing and I had just bought in the home that I'm in. And I said, oh, I just bought, and they, we did the numerology. And the woman said really negative things about the number that it added up to. And it planted a seed with me. And I thought, you have to take it. Yes, there's there's the vibration of the numbers. Yes, there are ways there are, you can put in, some people will put an A after it, they'll say the number, and then they'll add a little letter, which has changes the vibration as well. So I, I think making, I love the way you described it, because that's really helpful and useful. Yeah, it's wild, because again, like the crystals with the record keepers, it just, you feel kind of silly talking about it, right? Like, how can a rock do that? How can, how can buying a sticker at Lowe's Home Improvement change anything? But I'll tell you, 
For example, how many years had I been trying to get published, Denise? A lot, right? Mm -hmm. And my home adds up to a one, which is not a good number for a family home because one is all about me and it's driven and ambitious and overworking and blah, blah, blah. So I got the number two and I stuck it you know, inside the front door. Now, before that, I should say I put the number seven so my home would exude an eight so I would have more uh, financial success and boy, oh boy, did I. But then I wanted to get this book out into the world. So I took the number seven off and I put the number two up so my home would exude a three, which is all about creativity, connection. It's called the get on the stage or get on the page number. That's the year I got my agent, got my editor and got my book published. So to anyone listening to this, I know some of that sounds hokey, but just try it because I swear it works. I don't understand how it works. Maybe it's all our mind. Maybe it's all the power of us. And we're just using these things like rocks and stickers and numbers to remind us that we have, you know, what did Glinda say? The power was within you all along. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wonderful. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed these stories and questions. I know Denise and I have. It's just such a treat to hear from you guys. And we don't always share it, you know, because we don't want to put names with all of these. But so often you guys will share, like, I'm writing from Australia. I'm in the UK. I'm in Arizona. I'm in Wisconsin. And it's just such a beautiful thing to know that we're connecting with people all over the country and all over the world. You know, enlightened empaths unite. I love it. So thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review to help other people find us. Don't forget to check us out and our services at our website, samanthafay.com and thegratefulmessenger.com. And remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.